Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So Pastor Jenny and Morgan mentioned that we've been in our Freedom and Deliverance series for the last three, maybe four weeks, and I'm kind of going to wrap that up uh, today. But uh, many of us, some of us hear the word freedom, we're like, yes, USA, woo! And I love freedom in the USA, absolutely, but we're going to be talking about a different kind of freedom today. And I'm so grateful for a church that actually speaks and teaches and um, operates in the power of God to set people free and deliver people from demonic oppression. You know, I grew up in church my whole life, uh, literally my whole life, but it wasn't until about 18 years ago that I fully came into understanding of what the fullness of the gospel message was, what was like, like really in the word of God. You know, so many churches, um, I don't even know if it's intentional or, or what, but they don't necessarily teach on the fullness of the gospel message for whatever reason. But the fullness of the gospel message, you know, we read through the scriptures and Jesus started the church and he sent out disciples and he said, you know, preach the gospel, uh, heal the sick and cast out demons. And it was literally like the fullness of the gospel message being encapsulated in those three things. And so many churches are happy to preach the gospel to get people saved. And a lot of churches are happy to pray for the sick, believing that they shall recover. But not many churches actually are willing to address the spiritual demand oppression that actually exists in many of our lives. And so we have a lot of people that are actually going to heaven. They're like signs still delivered. They know we're gonna, they're going to spend eternity. But a lot of those same people are bound here on earth and being oppressed without even realizing it. I didn't realize I was uh, being oppressed by demonic oppression for the first uh, 29, no, 26 years of my life when I encountered someone that understood the fullness of the gospel message and actually set me free from tormenting and debilitating fear, anxiety, and depression. Um, and I'm so grateful to God because I am, I'm literally no one like I used to be. Every day it plagued my life. It controlled everything I did or didn't do. It was destroying my relationship um, with John. And I did everything in my natural power to overcome these things because I didn't have an understanding of the fullness of the gospel message. I didn't really understand oppression or demonic spirits. And, and so I would try to self-help my way out of, out of my issues. You know, I read every book on being secure and trust issues and fear, but nothing ever worked. It would like give me a few little tools here and there, but I even, you know, went to therapy, went to counseling and tried to overcome all of these things. But it wasn't until I encountered a powerful God that actually set me free because up until that point, I was trying to deal with my issues with natural weapons, but it wasn't a natural problem. It was a supernatural problem, um, and I needed to be set free from those demonic spirits. You know, the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, so many of us spin our wheels and are frustrated with ceilings and strongholds that we can't quite seem to overcome, and we've done everything everything we know to do, but what you don't need to do anything else, but actually just surrender to the powerful encounter with God who can set you free in a moment, just like he did me. 
And so I'm so grateful we operate like this in the fullness of the gospel and the power of God setting the captives free. So I need you to understand that we are always here and available to set the captives free. Jesus Christ is always here to set the captives free. However, I want to be sure that we are balanced in our understanding of this. While Jesus Christ's power is always here to set you free, the freedom we encounter when the manifestation of the power of God reveals itself in our life, we cannot allow that type of opportunity to be set free to abdicate our responsibility to living an obedient life to Christ. And so we have to fully surrender our lives, obeying the principles, the word of God, having a life of prayer, closing off the doorways and access points that we gave the enemy legal right to come in and occupy. But what do I mean by that? When we actually engage in sin and ongoing sin, the Bible talks about how we actually give the enemy a legal right to enter and occupy and torment our lives. And so we can get powerfully set free from a spirit of addiction or control or lust or any of these kinds of things. But if we go right back to the sinful behavior, we are going to end up bound. And the Bible says we'll end up worse than we were in the first place. And so that's why we're always here to set the captives free. But we have to take responsibility for keeping our freedom and staying free. And we do that by living a surrendered, obedient life to Jesus Christ, his word, have a life of prayer, of community. So when we start to go back to those things that entangled us, your connect group, your, your team that you serve with on a Sunday, pull you back and say, hey, that isn't gonna take you down a path that you wanna go. Come on now, let's get back on track. So we need to resource ourselves to understand how to maintain and grow in our freedom. So I'm so grateful that the Irvins mentioned the I am free to 55525. We don't just put those things together and because and, we don't think anyone needs it. We actually know we need to resource ourselves. And so many of us need to just, just commit to this freedom journey and text I am free to 55525. You know, a lot of um, a lot of my freedom uh, journeys have have been really s- learning and gleaning from the wisdom of a man who has dedicated the last forty or fifty years of his life understanding the scriptures around this topic and teaching on it so beautifully. We had Mike, uh, Pastor Mike Connell, come through our church on a Wednesday night at Balboa. I hope and I pray many of you were there. Uh, but he has dedicated his life to to diving into here and, and helping us understand uh, oppression and how to get free and to give us tools. And so he has a beautiful resource. And I don't know if, if you guys know, but I spend a lot of my time on MikeConnellMinistries.com. Um, here's the deal. I do about 17 loads of laundry a week. Why would I just let my mind be useless and just filled with nonsense? Like I, if I have to do 17 freaking loads of laundry every week, I better be learning and growing and and getting stronger in my faith and my freedom journey. And so I'm always on MikeConnellMinistry.com and I, and I just Google like depression or I Google strongholds or I Google, Google uh, fear or control. Whatever issue may be, heaviness, weariness, you know, all those kinds of things. And 37 messages pop up and I just get to take my pick. And so I'll help you out. There's two N's, there's two L's in MikeConnellMinistries.com. Some of us need to start making that a habit on our drives while we're doing laundry, while we're doing dishes or whatever we're doing resource yourself. You'll do your soul a favor. But it's been an amazing few weeks, and it's not just one time a year we talk about this. We talk about these things all throughout the year, but we've really been on assignment the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, getting off of Cherish Conference, which is hard to believe it was a month ago, ladies. Oh my gosh. Um, but, you know, just just diving straight into freedom and deliverance. And while we know that 
Jesus Christ, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. We also recognize that the, the devil also has power. We just don't have to be afraid of him because we have authority over his power. We just have to assert that authority. But I'll tell you, when the devil knows he's about to lose territory in, the, in your life that he's gained access through some of these things, he starts to get a little agitated. And so some of us may have had uh, a few more conflicts in our marriage or relationships or there's frustrating things or just lots of weird coincidences happening in our lives. And I'm telling you, it's because the devil realized that you were going to sit under a truth or a teaching based on the word of God. And he knew he was about to lose the territory that he's gained. And so sometimes there could be a level of agitation. So don't be afraid of that. We just have to rise up and take authority over that. And so I know, you know, for John and I, we are set on mission. We knew our assignment coming into Freedom and Deliverance Month. And so we have kind of learned that sometimes there's a little bit of backlash in kingdom things uh, when we actually are on assignment and helping set the captives free. And so there's been some interesting things that have taken place over the last month in our lives. But one night in particular, we just had the most incredible Sunday, incredible Wednesday, and then Sunday, and there was so many people getting set free from things. And then we had some time to sit with Mike Connell and he gave us a prophetic word and just really reminded us of our assignment and really put courage and faith and, and just re-strengthen us, you know, in our calling and what we're meant to do here in San Diego. And so we just left that night pumped up on a Monday night. Tuesday morning comes and wake up to get to cherish prayer. And, and I, I go outside to pray and I, I never put my shoes on. So I'm walking out with bare feet and right <clears throat> where my feet normally sit, where I would sit and pray is a big old scorpion right where my feet would have been under the chair. And then, so, you know, deal with that. And then I walk outside to take my dog on a walk and just right outside my door, just the first part of our driver where I was about to walk with my dog, who has not yet been rattlesnake trained, um, are two baby rattlesnakes about 100 feet um, from each other. <clears throat> now, the interesting thing was, is that all three of these little creatures... While they have, uh, you know, there's legitimate fear around those things and we need to be very careful around those things, all three of those little creatures were crushed right in the center of their bodies. And I'm like, whoa. So I called John, I'm like, oh my gosh, babe. So you killed the scorpion and you killed the baby rattlesnakes? He's like, no, I didn't even see him when he left. So I was like, well, the boys must have done it. And so I call um, the boys and they were like, no, where are they? So I'm like, wait a second. So crushed scorpion, two crushed baby rattlesnakes, and none of you smashed them. And I thought to myself, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your hedge of protection around our family. God himself, I am convinced that God himself, we pray for protective angels to surround and keep us. And I guarantee you that, that God himself dealt with those threats that the enemy was coming in to try to intimidate and all of that. And it was literally, I remembered the scripture in Luke where it says that we have been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I'm like, it's real life, baby. And I knew it was the enemy because we talked to the owners. They'd only seen one snake in seven years on that property. So for all three things to happen that Tuesday morning, then that very night, John and I are talking on the couch about the upcoming service. And we hear all these coyotes just like losing their minds. And so we find are like, we got to go see like, does it, like, what is going on? So I have my three little flashlights because I couldn't find the big one. And then John has his poo-poo 
with them. And so then we, so I'm shining and I, and we have like this hillside at our house. And in this corner, in this court, corner are just coyotes. And I see their little, their eyes in my flashlights just going off and they, they would not relent. And I'm like, what is happening? And right then the Holy Spirit was like, this is the enemy trying to intimidate you and instill fear in you. Then to make you worry about your kids, to worry about the dog that you kind of like, to worry about, you know, all these things. And so I was like, oh no. So we had to rise up people. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against him and we assert our authority over all those intimidating devils that are trying to come against us. So we have been on assignment. So I'm going to read Luke or John 10, 10 to you. It says, the thief, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Christ, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So we have an enemy and he's a thief and he wants to rob us of the abundant life that God has for us and has promised us. And so I want to talk today about three thieves. Three thieves. The first thief, the thief of hope. The thief of hope. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna remind us today that the hope we're talking about in the scriptures is not as the world talks about hope. When the, when the world talks about hope, they're like, oh, I, I hope so. Oh, I hope they're okay. There's like an uncertainty and a doubt with the world's hope. But the hope we're talking about in the scriptures, it's defined with an uncertainty and assurance that God will do what he said he's gonna do. So it's not a hoping so, it's a knowing so when we hope in God. And I love this scripture. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What? In believing. So while you're believing for the abundant life, while you're believing for the promises to come to pass, you can be filled with all joy and peace because you serve the God of a certainty and assurance, the God of all hope. It's incredible. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts or the plans that I have for you, or I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. So as believers, we are meant to live with hope and joy and peace with great anticipation of what God has planned for our lives. Not lives filled with fear and anxiety and hopelessness and uncertainty and negative expectations. So living with hope is supposed to be the mark of every believer. And hope is essential if we're gonna do this life well and walk through this life well, but also hope is essential if we're ever gonna have an impact on the world that God has placed us in to reach. Because if we speak as though the world speaks, why would they ever want what we have? So we have to be the people of hope and serve the God of all hope. And when we speak hopelessness, we speak as though the world has who has no hope because they've never encountered God yet. So how do we know if we've lost hope or our hope tank is getting a little depleted? We talk about it all the time. The Bible talks about the overflow of the heart. 
the mouth speaks. So you'll know what's in your heart. You'll know where you're at with your hope in regards to your circumstances when you listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Are they full of faith and hope and love and belief and not doubting and great anticipation? Or are they filled with negativity, fear and uncertainty and hopelessness? As believers, Psalm 33, 20 through 22 says this. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us. Lord, for your hope, our hope is in you alone. Our hope is in him alone. I think sometimes we can get into trouble when we put our hope in other things or a job or a situation or a paycheck when we don't put our hope in God alone. And so I don't know where we're all at today with our hope tank, if it's really full or it's getting depleted or maybe it's completely empty in regards to your present circumstances. But how's your hope tank doing in regards to your finances or your family or your living situation, or your job, or your kids, or your health? How are you doing? And I wanna encourage you today that no matter how bad things seem, that God can still turn everything around. He can still turn everything around. And I love that our God has a funny habit of taking a long time to move suddenly. God can take a long time to move suddenly. And some of you need to be reminded of that today. For some of you, I need you to know that your suddenly is right around the corner. You feel like you can't hold on anymore, but can you hold on because your suddenly is right around the corner? Do you realize that God is always watching over his word to perform it in your life? Do you realize that he's always moving? He's always working on your behalf. He's so good. And for some of you, you're suddenly is right around the corner. Amen. So we're meant to live in hope with all areas of our life. And so I just pray that today you're gonna get a fresh perspective or you're gonna be filled up a little bit in regards to your hope and no matter what you're facing today. But, you know, while we're meant to live with hope as believers, hope in all circumstances as we journey through this life, it's really uh, impossible for us to not at times feel like our hope is being diminished or that we're being robbed of it or it's being taken from us. And I think one of the biggest thieves of our hope is disappointments, unmet expectations, and pain. The biggest thief of our hope is disappointments. And I wanna talk about that today because none of us can actually get through this life without feeling a level of disappointment. And I think we need to learn how to deal with disappointment really well. And we need to learn to heal from it so that we don't compromise the future plans that he has for us. And that big statement may make sense in a little bit. But... We can't get through life without pain and disappointments. But so many of us never really think about the disappointments. We just keep pushing on, but we don't realize they don't actually go away, but they're affecting us. What about the disappointment over the fact that maybe you're married, but what you dreamed of what your marriage would look like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like what you dreamed of. And maybe there's a lack of intimacy or connection, or maybe your spouse is away from God and, 
and you just are disappointed with the state of your marriage, the thing you've committed your whole life to, and you feel this level of pain and disappointment. You know, I know there's a lot of us in here that thought we would be married by now, but we're not. And you're disappointed that it still hasn't happened yet. And then some of us, maybe we're disappointed over a promotion that should have been ours, but it was given to somebody else. Like you worked hard, you knew it belonged to you. And for whatever reason, they chose someone else and you're left to deal with the fact that you are so disappointed that that happened to you. Or maybe some of you, you're disappointed of the fact that you lost your home. Man, you were celebrated getting that first home and then you ended up losing your home. And I'm sure some of us in here thought we would own a home by now. And we don't. And we're disappointed in the season that we're in. I know John shared about this. You know, many of you know our testimonies, but having bought a ton of real estate early on in our marriage, uh, making just some really unwise choices, we lost, you know, 13 properties and we had to completely start over. And it it set us on an eight-year journey to have to really... Um, recover all and and the Lord was so faithful and all of that. But I remember when John turned 45 a few years ago, he went through this six months of just, he just felt so disappointed in himself and he was really struggling. And I thank God for good friends who listened to the Holy Spirit. And I remember they organized this get together where there was just like four of us couples and everyone just really felt to in those moments just encourage John And they had no idea that for six months he'd been struggling with who he was, his calling, where he was at in life. And he just kind of circled back around and had all these regrets. And he was so disappointed in himself for making those decisions earlier on in our marriage because he thought at age 45, we would be here. He thought at the age of 45, we'd be here financially or this secure or have all these things lined up. But because we had to start over, he felt behind. And he had to really wrestle that disappointment to the ground and overcome it so he could heal from it or else it would literally have changed the course of our lives. So we suffer disappointments and we need to heal from it so we can move forward in life. What about the disappointment of those of you who are still believing for the healing to take place in your body? You've prayed the prayers, you're standing in faith, but the healing has not yet happened and you feel disappointed. And some of you I feel like are even being really hard on yourself, like you haven't had enough faith. Like your question if you even have enough faith. Can I tell you that we don't put our faith in our own faith, we put our faith in God. We need to put our faith in God. You know, and then some of us, the grave, deeply painful disappointment of believing for someone else that we loved, their healing on this side of eternity, but it didn't happen. You prayed the prayers, you read the scriptures, you fasted, and even a man of God said it wouldn't end in death, but that person ended up crossing over to eternity where they experienced the fullness of healing, but it didn't happen on this side, and you are deeply, deeply grieved and disappointed. What do you do with that? So many of you I know are believing for babies and it's not yet happened and you're disappointed. Some of you believe for babies. I know John and I, the first time, our first baby, we lost that baby at 11 weeks. All those dreams and the things you thought of for that first baby, your first child, and you're left with disappointment and grief. There's big things like that. Parents that 
raised your children in the house of God, or maybe you have regrets and you're disappointed that you didn't raise them in the house of God, but whatever the circumstances are, you find that your child is now walking away from God and is causing you such pain and disappointment that they are not on the straight and narrow path that brings to life, but they're on a path right now that leads to destruction. But in Jesus' name, we call them back into the house of God and God is pursuing them until their last breath. Or even little disappointments of not being celebrated on your birthday. Gosh, those little things can feel so painful. We live in a world where there's disappointments. And we have to learn how to heal beyond the disappointments. So it doesn't impact who we are today. Family will disappoint you. Friends Pastors, leaders, circumstances, doctors. We can be disappointed in ourselves. We can be disappointed in God. And if we don't learn how to process those things well, it'll rob us of the joy and peace of today and the futures that God has promised us. That's why it's so important to learn how to deal and heal from our disappointments because if we don't, they don't actually go away. They stay in our hearts and they get stored in this little cabinet that we forget exists. And if we're not careful, we can start to look at life through the lens of potential disappointment. And when we look at our futures through potential disappointment, it can actually start to paralyze us from moving forward into the things that God has promised us. Can you imagine if Pastor John had not wrestled to the ground the beating his confidence took and the disappointment he had in himself when he made decisions that positioned our family to lose everything? We had just had two babies in 12 months. We lost everything. We had $200 left to our name. He had to wrestle that disappointment to the ground and rebuild his confidence in God and who God says he is, that God will restore everything that the enemy had stolen There'd be no way we would have had the faith to go after the home and purchase the home that we are in now if he did not wrestle that disappointment in himself and his lack of confidence and heal from that. Can you see if we don't heal from the disappointments and the pain of the things we experience now, they can affect our futures because we may not go again if we don't heal from the thing that is paining us now. We have to learn how to deal with disappointment so we don't miss out on the future that God has for us. Pastor Mike Connell said in a message, he says, when you live with the undealt with pain of disappointment, you risk living without expectation because you don't wanna be disappointed again. You then live with an absence of hope or excitement for good things to come. When we stop believing that God still has good plans for us, do you realize that we will settle for ordinary, mundane, status quo, instead of actually believing for the extraordinary, the supernatural, the abundantly above all that you can imagine or think that God said he has promised for us when we stop believing that God still has good plans for us. And some of you are in here and the Holy Spirit just said, you don't realize that God still has good plans for you. 
what you had was good and you're in this season and you stop hoping and believing that there's a future beyond your past that could be greater than your past, still has good plans for you. Be encouraged. God still has good plans for you. Amen? Amen. I really believe that God wants to restore people's hope today. You know, and there's a story in the Bible of Abraham. And some of us may know the story, some of us may not, but there's a, there's a couple in the Bible. Abraham's known as the father of faith, actually. So it was Abraham and Sarah. And they desperately wanted children. They wanted a family. And, it's, and, it's, and especially in those times, in Bible times, having children was everything. It was your whole legacy. It was your genealogy. It was everything. And if you were barren, it was like the worst curse that could ever be put on you to be barren. And so they find themselves, this is a season where Abraham is 75 years old and he has not yet had a child. And you can imagine waiting 75 years to start a family. He was discouraged. He had suffered some pain and some disappointment. And it's at this time in Abraham's life that God actually comes to him in a vision. And God is so confident. God says this to Abraham. He said, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham's response is like, Really, Lord? Really? And uh, I'll take some liberty on the sarcasm here, but I can only imagine Abraham wanting children. His dreams have now passed him by, and the Lord is like, I am your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham tells him this in Genesis 15, 2 through 3. He says, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So Abraham was real with God. You can tell he is frustrated. Lord, really? You're my reward? Well, I don't even have a child. He is frustrated. He is disappointed. He is in pain. And I love that our heavenly father doesn't rebuke him for his unbelief or his lack of faith. He still considers him the father of faith. How amazing is that? But the Lord does not rebuke Abraham. He reassures him in this moment. And he reminds him that Abraham, you are not just gonna have a child, but step out of your tent and look at the sky and your descendants are gonna be as many as the stars in the sky. And the Bible says that when he heard the word of the Lord, Abraham believed him. And he was encouraged in his faith again. He was filled with hope again that his dreams of having a child could come to pass. But if you know the story, it took another 25 years for the promised son Isaac to be born. 25 years. And at some point along the line, when Abraham was about 86, his faith in the promise, his hope in the promise must have waned because he took matters into his own hands. And he actually doubted for a moment that the promised child was gonna come through his wife, Sarah. So he, he sleeps with his wife's maidservant, Hagar, and she bores him a child, Ishmael. And so Abraham compromised and doubted along the way. But we find ourselves in this story when we continue reading. That when Abraham was 100 years old, the Bible says this. This is talking about Abraham. So he's 100 years old. It says, and not being weak in faith, my goodness, waiting 100, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body 
already dead since he was about 100 years old, nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. How amazing. At this point in Abraham's life, he was still hoping, he was still believing, he's waited a hundred years and he refused to look at the deadness of the circumstances. He refused to look at the deadness of Sarah's womb who had already passed the childbirth. He refused to look at the deadness of his own body and he put all of his hope in the God of all hope who says all things are possible with him, that can do the miraculous, who said he'll be faithful to his promise, who said he's gonna watch over his word to perform it, who says that nothing is too hard for the Lord. He put all of his hope in the God of certainty and assurance. And sure enough, Isaac was born when he was a hundred years old. We need to put our hope in the God of all hope and ignore. We have to turn our eyes from our circumstances and what's in front of us and still believe that God can do the impossible for us. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace today in believing. God is so good. But we understand that over those years of waiting, it can be painful, it can be disappointing. And the Bible even says that our hearts can be sick. In Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred, a long period of waiting for promises, our hearts can become sick. So I wanna ask this question today. Has it become too painful to hope for the things you once believed for? Has it become too painful to hope for the things you once believed for? Have unmet expectations or unmet timelines taken you out of believing that God still has good plans for you? You know, I've spent almost my entire time this morning talking about the thief of hope. There's two other thieves that can rob us of our future. But I don't even necessarily need to fully address those two other thieves. Because if we stop hoping, we stop believing. And when we stop believing, we don't need faith. And without faith, we will not inherit the promises of God. So when the thief comes for our hope, he isn't just trying to take our hope. The thief of our faith comes with it. And then the thief of our futures follows. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, it's through faith that our hopes are realized. But we don't have any hope. We, don't even, we won't have the faith to have our hopes realized. And Hebrews 6.12 says, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promise. So I want us to allow God to speak to us about the areas of our life today where we've been disappointed, where where we've allowed the thief of our hope to come in and begin to shape what we're believing for today or for our futures. Could God wants to restore all things to you today. And I wanna share with you, because it's one thing to share a thought or a revelation or talk about the thief of hope, but it's another thing to actually put it into practice, 
to restore that hope so that God can still do the miraculous and the impossible in your lives. So I wanna give you some practical tools that I've learned from the word of God and to listening to amazing ministers like Mike Connell. But I wanna encourage you to take some time this week. Don't let this week pass you by. You need to get with God. And I wanna encourage you to actually write down the things that have disappointed you, whether they're people or situations or circumstances. Make a list. Some of us will have short lists. Some of us will have really long lists. But write down the things that have disappointed us and caused us pain. And then once we've written those things down, we actually need to take the time to grieve those disappointments and how, is, how they have affected our lives. You know, and some of those things will just be let grow. We just cry a little tear and we grieve it and then we give it to God and ask Him to heal us. But I think for some of us, you can experience such deep grief and pain with disappointments that it no longer is just a moment where God's gonna like just heal our hearts like an inner healing moment. It actually, when there's such a deep grief that is left unresolved and unhealed, a spirit of grief, the Bible says, can come upon you. And it is heavy and it is weighty and it is dark and it can affect your whole outlook on life and your whole demeanor. And you wonder why you walk through life a little bit numb. And it's actually a spirit that needs to be cast off. So some of us are just gonna get a lot of inner healing through this journey, but some of us actually need to ask for prayer to cast off the spirit of grief. And I know why it's so important to even grieve it, whether it's be little or small. You know, John and I were able to have just a ministry appointment with Mike Connell, just like a check-in on how we're doing. And we took advantage of the opportunity uh, to bring up a cycle that's been kind of going on in our marriage since probably the really early days. And we've been married for 20 years. And, and we just, we both recognize this is a cycle. We don't like it, but we don't know how to break it. It robs us of the peace in our home. It keeps us feeling disconnected, but we never could quite figure out like how to break this cycle. And so we shared this with, with Pastor Mike and he was just like, oh, the Holy Spirit's just showing me this and John, you need to do this and rise up here and you need to pray against that. And, and Becky, you need to do this. And this is how, when this situation arises, this is how you need to deal with it in the spirit. And this is practically how you manage it. And we sat there and we're like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense. And so we've actually had the opportunity already to put those practices into place. And can I tell you, it is a game changer, a game changer. And one day Pastor John will preach about it or I'll preach about it or both of us will preach about it. I don't know. But what I'll tell you is this, we got in the car after that appointment and we looked at each other and John just looks at me. He's like, oh my gosh, we've been doing this for 20 years. And he's just like, oh, I'm so disappointed because this could have, our marriage could have been so much better. But we just kept going around the same mountain, the same cycle, and the same struggles that robbed us of peace and joy in our home and our marriage. He's like, oh, I'm so frustrated that we let this continue. We missed out. And we both recognized that we actually had to grieve the fact that we missed out on a part of joy of marriage that we could have had, but we didn't because we chose to stay stuck. And so we literally had to grieve the time that we lost. But then we had a really important decision to make. Are we gonna let this beat us up or are we gonna let it make us better? 
And we chose to apply the things that we were equipped with and it is making us better, amen? Amen. We need to grieve. It's real. We need to grieve the disappointments that we have had walked through in this life. The third thing we need to do is release forgiveness towards others. Or even some of us might have to release forgiveness towards ourselves. I've had to do that before. Pastor John's had to do that before. And I think sometimes, especially when you've held on to unforgiveness towards yourself, it can become so extreme that again, you open up a door for the devil to torment you with spirits and you can actually adopt a spirit of self-hatred or self-rejection or unworthiness. And those things can't be dealt with by just journaling on your own. Those are things that you actually need prayer over to cast those spirits off of your life. The fourth thing you need to ask yourself is how did you change after the disappointment? What did you start doing to protect yourself from future disappointments? Did you start running to things that would numb the pain of the disappointment? Like, how did you change? What changed in you when the disappointment and the pain happened? I know for many people, when we experience the pain of disappointment, we can make inner vows like, I'll never trust a man, or I'll never trust a woman, or I'll never let that happen to me again. And so when we make vows like that, we actually can put up walls around our heart to ensure that we never get hurt at that deep level again. And I'll tell you this from experience, that the walls work. The walls do their job of preventing you from feeling pain at a level that could deeply wound you. But the same wall that you put up to protect your heart is also the same wall that enables you, or it's an inability for you to fully feel the good emotions in life. And again, you start walking through, I have a little numb. And you don't realize why you're not having the intimacy that you see other people have in relationships. So you feel the feelings of joy and peace and excitement like other people experience because you actually don't get to pick and choose what the wall does for you. It'll keep out the deep levels of pain, but also keeps you from fully feeling all the good things that God has for you. And I had to walk through a journey of being willing to take down those walls of self-protection because I was tired of, wa of walking through life with rose-colored glasses, not fully feeling and being able to celebrate like other people celebrated. It's like I couldn't even muster up those feelings of joy that I saw other people experiencing. And I didn't realize I had put up a wall to protect myself from ever getting hurt again. So how did you change when the disappointments come and what do we need to deal with to heal so we can move forward, so we can fully experience all that God has for us? The fifth thing, have you hardened your heart towards God? When the pain and the disappointments came, did you draw back from fully trusting God? Did you pull back from your relationship with Him? How did your relationship with God change? I know for so many people, again, including myself, I feel like I could find myself in all of these scenarios. I only preach what I've learned from and healed from. But so many of us, when we experience pain and disappointment in this life, if you've been raised in church or maybe not, where there's this misunderstanding in the most terrible theology that I could ever imagine that says that everything that happens is God's will. It's wicked theology that couldn't be farther from the truth. 
The Bible says that only good and perfect gifts come from above. So I wanna tell you this morning that if what has happened to you is not good, then it was not from God. Remember what the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief, our enemy comes except to steal, to kill and destroy. But God has come to give you life and life abundantly. So what are the things you experienced in their life and who authored it? Did, it? did God author that pain or did the enemy author that pain? But so many times we walk through this life and we blame God for the painful things that we're walking through. And we curse God. And if you curse God and you blame and you think he did that to you, how could you ever fully trust him? with your life. How could you trust a God that would allow and even author that pain that you felt? So people can draw back from a good, loving, faithful, heavenly Father when they don't understand this revelation. Free will is an interesting thing. What I find in life is most things that, that happen in this life are because of free will, whether it's someone else's free will or our free will. And it's tricky because we get mad at God when he doesn't intervene in everybody's free will. But isn't it so that you want your free will to choose whether you choose rightly or wrongly? You don't want God to intervene and stop you when you have your free will to choose. But we want God to intervene in every other person's life that's gonna choose wrongly when it's potentially gonna hurt us. It's either free will or it's not and everybody has it or we don't. It's people's free will that ends up hurting us and harming us causing us great pain and disappointment, not the will of our Father. So I pray today that that even helps restore your trust in a God that can only be faithful to you, a God that only has good plans for you that are far above anything you could ever hope for or imagine, the Bible says. And the last thing, if I could encourage you, number six, after you've done all of this and you've journaled these things and you've felt the grief and you've forgiven and you've processed, Ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to heal your broken heart, and then to fill you with joy and peace and hope again. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.